it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me, okay? Same, Taylor, freaking same. I am always the problem, it seems, in any situation. In fact, as I was preparing for this sermon, I went out to my lovely coworkers, uh, Sean and Brittany, and I was like, hey, can you guys think of a recent story where I was the problem? And within seconds, they just had all these stories. They're like, what about this time? What about this one? And I was like, okay, that's enough. You guys could have thought about that a little bit longer, but there was one example. Sean, this was the first thing that he said. He's like, what about that time with the camp merch? And I knew immediately what he was talking about, okay? And so you guys remember our awesome camp merch, the t-shirts, the sweatshirts you guys ordered. And we, we had like 400 orders from you all between all of the t-shirts and the sweatshirts that were ordered. And so we got that stuff in and we had to get it to you guys somehow, some way. Well, the lovely Hope, who is back from maternity leave, yes. Can I just say, Thank God, okay, on behalf of the youth team that she's back. She had this lovely system that she put into place. She's like, okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this well. We're gonna make sure that every kid gets exactly what they ordered. So she gets out pieces of paper. She writes every single kid's name that ordered something along with what they ordered and what their size was. And she's like, okay, Madeline, I'm gonna give this to you. All you have to do is gather the appropriate t-shirts in the right sizes put them with their piece of paper so we can get them to the kids. And I was like, all right, I'm your gal. I'm dyslexic, okay? And this was the system that we put into place, okay? There was a red T-shirt with small, medium, large, extra large, XX, large, okay? There was a gray T-shirt with all of those. There was a sweatshirt or a hoodie with all of those. I struggled, okay, because this all mixed in together and nothing began to make sense. And so I'm just kind of freestyling it. I'm just kind of putting in whatever pile I want. And we get about 80% through the orders and I'm like, okay, well, I guess there's no more sweatshirts. And Hope's like, no, actually there's like 30 more sweatshirts. What are you doing? What happened? And I was like, well, they must have messed up our order. Whoever sent us the sweatshirts. No, they didn't mess up the order. I'm dyslexic, okay? And I didn't even try to overcome my weakness. I just absolutely butchered it. It probably cost us, what, an extra three hours to fix all of my problems? At least, I was the problem. It was me, I tried. I was like, how can I blame this on Hope's pregnancy brain? How can I do it? And I couldn't, there was no doing it. It was all my fault, I was the problem. Now I just pulled a Taylor Swift and was like, okay, it was me. Let me help fix the problem that I solved. And they're like, no, why don't you go do something else? I think we got this. We got it taken care of. So many times I can look back into my life and silly stories at work, but also in bigger things, now that I have the advantage of hindsight and recognize where I really was the problem. Maybe it was when I was really struggling to make friends or struggling in my walk with Jesus. Maybe it was when I was not getting along with my mom or when my sister and I never were seeming to see eye to eye. Always, I can look back now and say, man, I just really messed that up. Man, I just really didn't say the right things. I was not very self-aware in those moments. Now, the constant temptation of any person, you, me, anyone else that has ever lived, is to blame any bad 
or hard thing on somebody or something else. It's like the moment that we mess up or we get in trouble, we're like, okay, how am I gonna spin this? How am I gonna make it seem like it really wasn't my fault and I am somehow innocent in this situation? Sometimes we think, okay, well, I'm actually not happy and it's because, well, my brother or sister are driving me up the wall. I'm not happy because I don't have enough money to buy these certain things that I really want. I'm not getting good grades because my teacher doesn't know how to teach well or they pick favorites. I broke up with my boyfriend or actually he broke up with me because, well, he was just too distracted by sports and couldn't really invest the time that I needed. I'm not that close to God because, well, I just don't really have time to make it to church or that one pastor or blue team hurt my feelings. Everyone has an excuse for everything, a plausible reason for their unhappiness or their failure. And sometimes, guys, these are absolutely legitimate. Absolutely, there are people out there that wrong us, that hurt us. There are real excuses. But a lot of times, it's just us trying to make us feel better or look better. Regardless, finding an excuse or somebody to blame for your situation never actually fixes it. You finding an plausible excuse to excuse the behavior or whatever it is doesn't fix the problem. And it actually doesn't really matter whose fault it is because regardless, you're in that situation. Proverbs 28, 13 says, anyone who hides their sins doesn't succeed. But anyone who admits their sins and gives them up will find mercy. So if you want success and if you want mercy, things that we all want and need, this verse tells us how to get it. We have to give up our sins. We have to admit our sins. But a lot of times we do the opposite. We say, no, I'm going to bury it. I'm going to act like I didn't do that or I didn't make that mistake or it wasn't really my fault. Instead of just saying, yeah, No, that was me. I'm actually the problem. When we're able to do this, God says, yeah, you're going to have success. You're going to have mercy. But when we don't, he doesn't guarantee us these things. Now, the first step to doing this is you have to be able to recognize, am I the problem? Is it me? Am I Taylor Swift? The answer for me is yes, I am Taylor Swift, okay? No, I'm not, I know, okay? But when I was in middle school and high school, I remember I had so much drama, so much drama. My friends and I were fighting constantly. My life was like a freaking soap opera and not like the funny ones, but like the really, really stressful and really, really stupid ones. Because the things that I was fighting about with these girls, the things that I cared about, man, They were silly now that I look back at them. But I remember I was always in some kind of fight, always in some kind of argument with the people that were close to me. And at first, my parents were pretty sympathetic. They were like, Madeline, I am so sorry that you're going through this. I'm so sorry that she said that or that she did that to you. I wish that that hadn't happened. But then, after some time went on and the drama never stopped, it was like they began to realize that there was a common theme in all of my drama, and it was me. I was the common theme. So one day as I was sitting at the kitchen counter, I was complaining to my dad for the millionth time about all this crap that was happening in my life, and I was telling him what happened, and he looked at me and he said, Madeline, I understand you're hurting, but do you realize that you are the common denominator 
in these situations. You are the common denominator in these situations. Now, I'm not a math girl, so this didn't immediately click into my brain, and I was like, wait, what? What are you talking about, a common denominator? Now, we're going to go back into school for about five seconds. What is a denominator, boys and girls? The bottom half of a fraction, denom, in a tour. Okay, so if I write a fraction, one half, what is the denominator? The two. It is what you are dividing things by. So I have all of these problems, like a math problem, in my life. My dad is claiming that I am the denominator. So when I was fighting with my neighbor, Callie, who actually was a little bit psycho, okay? I was in that relationship. When I was fighting with the girl at school, Emily, I was in, not, I like that Emily. I was the common denominator. When I was fighting with, I mean, pick a name, I probably fought with them. Stephanie, we'll say Stephanie, I was the problem. When I was fighting with Taylor, I was in that relationship. So when we start looking at the track record, okay, maybe, maybe that was on Callie. Maybe Callie, she was just a little bit crazy. Maybe Madeline's innocent. Maybe Emily was a little bit of the problem. But then when you start looking at all of these relationships, all of a sudden it's less and less likely that it's on them and more and more likely that it's on me. Why? Because I was the common denominator. I was the one that was in every single one of those failing relationships. When my dad told me that, it changed my life. Because all of a sudden, my perspective went from, man, poor me. I cannot believe that these people keep treating me this way. I can't trust girls. They're the worst. They're always just going to hurt me. It went from that to, wait, what if I'm the one that's hurting people? And boys, don't just act like this is just a girl thing, okay? This is for boys as well. You can also be the common denominators in any situation. Friendships, relationships at home, girlfriends, boyfriends. And the truth is that when I was having all of this friend drama, some of it was on them, but a lot of it was me. Why? Because first off, I was, pr- I was picking the wrong friends. These girls, they didn't love Jesus. I didn't even try to get them to church. They weren't the right friends for me. Second, I was overly sensitive. I was overly sensitive. And not just in a, oh, stop being a wimp way. No, in a way where it was, if anyone even looked at me slightly wrong, I would be hurt and cut up and I would lash out because I was struggling with the spirit of rejection, which we've talked about a million, a million times. So I was overly sensitive. Lastly, though, I liked the drama. I liked it, okay? And you can judge me all you want, but y'all like drama too. It's why you, lo- why you watch Love is Blind, okay? It's addictive. It's addictive. Okay, I know, I know. Maybe you don't watch it, but it's really good. Okay, 2 Timothy 2 says this. Again. Again, do you think this is important if he's restating it? Yes. I say, don't get involved in foolish or ignorant arguments that only start fights. You can send this to your mom when she keeps making political posts on Facebook, okay? (laughs) 
don't get involved in foolish or ignorant arguments, you're just going to start a fight. That's all I was doing, baby. Everything was like, how can I start a fight? I want to light crap on fire, okay? What ignorant thing can I say? How can I get into a stupid argument that doesn't matter? Why? Because I wanted drama. I wanted attention. There was something broken inside of me. I was the problem. It was me. It was probably the same thing that caused Taylor to date John Mayer when she was 17, okay? There's something broken. Sometimes we're the problem. And I needed my dad, someone who I loved, who I trusted, who really did want what was best for me to point this out. Now, there's a man in the Bible who was also the problem, Now, don't get me wrong, he was a great guy, but he made some mistakes. Maybe you can relate to this guy's mistakes. So he had an affair with a woman, and then, no, you can't relate yet? Okay, I lost you there, all right. He had an affair with a woman, and then he killed the husband of the woman that he slept with. Yeah, Kaden, you got me? Yeah, 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 okay. He killed the husband to cover it up. Well, guess what? What happens when you have sex, ladies and gentlemen? I told you we're going back to school today. A baby, right? So he gets the girl pregnant, but he was trying to hide the fact that he slept with her. So what does he do? He kills her husband and then says, oh yeah, that's, that's my baby. We're all good. It's fine. They weren't married at the time. Everything is Gucci, okay? He had an affair, then he covered it up by killing a man. And obviously, the, the man's life, it begins to fall apart. And yet, he refuses to own it. He refuses to say, yeah, I messed up. That was a big mistake. Instead, he tries to cover it up. Now, this man's name, you might recognize it, was King David. This was King David. I know. The guy that killed Goliath, the man after God's own heart, did this. And there was a man in David's life named Nathan. And Nathan was a good friend to David. And he was a prophet, which means he heard from the Lord on another level. He was like Sean, okay? Just man, he gets great words. And he came to David and he was like, look, man, I got a story for you. Now, David didn't know that Nathan knew anything was up. And so Nathan begins to tell the story. He says, there was a man who had a ton of sheep, okay? Like thousands and thousands and thousands of sheep. He was very, very wealthy. So apparently that's how they calculated wealth back then. It wasn't Mercedes, it was sheep. So this one guy was super loaded. Then his neighbor had nothing. All he had was one sheep whom he loved like a child. Well, the rich man, one guy, one day he had a group of friends over that he needed to feed. And instead of killing one of his thousands of sheep, He goes over to the poor man and kills his only sheep to feed his friends. And when Nathan tells this story to David, David is furious. He is losing his mind. He's flipping over tables and he says, kill that evil man. And Nathan looks at David and he says, you are that man. You are that man. In other words, okay, you can judge that guy all you want, but you are doing the same exact thing. You are being selfish. You are being evil. You are the problem, David. It's you. And it took someone in his life calling him out for him to finally be able to recognize it. 
As Taylor puts it in the song, I will stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. I needed my dad. David needed Nathan. And maybe you've had someone in your life that has called you out, that has says, hey, stop. You are having self-destructive tendencies, or maybe you've never heard it before. But hear me tonight, 4640, sometimes you are the problem. And you have to live the rest of your life with yourself. I don't know any of these girls anymore. I haven't seen them in years. But I have to wake up every single day to that common denominator. If you have someone in your life that will call you out, or if you don't, you need to understand that sometimes you can be too sensitive. Sometimes you can really enjoy the drama or the attention. You can have authority issues. Sometimes you can pick the wrong friends. Sometimes you can run to the wrong thing to get you by. But your life is your life. It's nobody else's problem to fix you except for you. But how? Okay, you are the problem. You're admitting to at least part of it, I'm sure, in your heart. If not, then you're prideful, and that's also a problem, okay? We all got problems. What do we do with it? Well, the first thing is when you mess up, just own it. Just own it. Just say, yeah, I'm sorry. I did mess up. I said the wrong thing. I offended that person. I was being too sensitive. Just say, I'm sorry, and try and be better. As soon as you own up to it, the power gets taken away from that situation. You don't have to be embarrassed anymore, and that person really can't be mad at you anymore. There's this lie where we just want to cover it up because we feel shameful and we're like, oh, this would be the worst thing in the world if it gets out. But as soon as it gets out, that's when things can start to become fixed. After the prophet called out David, he said to David, you are that man. David responds in a shocking way because David could have said, screw you, I'm the king of Israel. I could have you killed for speaking to me in such a way. How dare you? He could have said that, and yet this was his response. He said, I confess. Second Samuel 12, it says, I confess I have sinned against the Lord. He owns it. He owns it. And Nathan doesn't say, yeah, I know. You are the worst. Hand me your crown. Instead, he says, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you're not going to die for this sin. Own it. Own it so that you can have success, you can have mercy, and you can have healing maybe in yourself and in that relationship. David owned it. Even Taylor owned it. You can own it. The second thing you can do is ask God for help. We all have our struggles. We all have those things where it's like, yeah, this is really the problem that's in me. My big things are I get angry. My immediate response to anything is anger. And as soon as I get angry, I start to lose my filter. And I say whatever the heck I want, mean, necessary, or otherwise. I know that's a problem that I have within myself. And so every single morning when I wake up, I pray one prayer to Jesus, okay? This is what it is. I put on my armor of God. If you know your armor, you can say it with me. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes of peace, sword of the spirit, shield of faith. If you pick up the sword of the spirit, shield of faith, you're wrong because then you can't put on everything else, okay? You got to do it last. That's not true. I mean, spiritually it's not, but I think it's true, okay? So I put on my armor. And then I say the words, bind my will and emotions 
to yours, God, for mine can't be trusted. I can't trust my emotions. I can't trust my will, which is basically my wants, my own opinions. I can't trust those things, my plans. I need to trust God's will in his emotions. So bind my will and emotions to hers, his, which means to stick them together. The next thing I pray for is set a guard over my mouth. This comes from a psalm that David prays. He asked the Lord to set a guard over his mouth. In other words, help me to only say what is true, what is loving, and what is necessary. If you are saying those three things, if the things that you are saying is true, loving, and necessary, you're not the problem. But if it's anything but those things, you are the problem. So set a guard over my mouth. And then I pray a couple of other things specifically about Somalia and my struggles. So help me not to get angry today. Help me to come to you when I feel like I'm losing control instead of me trying to gain back that control. I have these certain things that I pray and you can do the same thing. You can figure what is broken in me, what is the problem. I will bring that to God. I will ask for his help and he will give it to you. Do I still mess up? Yes. Absolutely, but I'm way less of the problem than I used to be. Whenever there's drama in your life, first, start by assuming that you are at least part of the problem. Don't immediately become defensive and putting blame on others, but instead assume, okay, I'm at least part of this problem. Go from there. When you mess up, own it and ask God to help you the next morning start over and be better. Enough just blaming everyone else because it really is exhausting to be the antihero. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, first of all, we just thank you because you are so, so good and you really will help us. You want us to be better. You want us to grow and not to hurt the people in our lives. And so I ask right now that that's what you help us do. In these coming days and weeks and months, we ask that you convict us on what our problems are what our hurts are, how are we hurting the people around us, and how can we fix it? Jesus, we ask for healing within our hearts and our minds, and we ask that you bind our will and emotions to yours, for ours cannot be trusted, Lord. We love you, and it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.